RVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. And yes, it is a federal holiday, but the markets are open and, as you well see, have traded throughout the day. Kind of an interesting type of day as volatility continues to be the theme we're seeing as we kick off this week. We're talking, of course, today with Brian Doherty. Brian is with Total Farm Marketing. And looking at that volatility, Brian, I mean, that has been the key word, it seems like, this last week or so that's had such a heavy focus on this trade. You're right, Susan, and there's some pretty major variables. And I think first, as you head into the harvest, usually you see prices slump or you hear, in a lot of cases, I think you'll hear yields are generally a little better than farmers expected, or at least from what they might tell you. I think part of that is just sort of the human nature of not wanting to uh, to get too far over your skis and, you know, tell everybody how great your crop is and be disappointed. But with that being said, remember that about 20% of the crop, the corn crop, has been rated poor to very poor from the USDA. And the USDA did lower yield last month. And that's what we're hearing. We're hearing variable yields. Um, farmers are busy, so we don't we don't have thousands of people talking to us, but we've got enough to get a feel for the market. So I'm going to say variable yield. And then in soybeans, same thing. The problem with both corn and beans is, you know, perceptively at least, we're not selling enough overseas in the near term. The dollar is higher. So while you've got maybe these smaller crops and you've got a lot of money flow that seems to want to own corn in particular, the money needs to come back in the beans. You're just not getting any real kind of push higher. But you've got to keep in mind we're at such high levels across the $7 threshold in corn as it did today. That hasn't been seen since June 21st. So kind of chew on that $7 board corn. Having said that, can we hold that momentum on the beans, or are we going to see, as, as this week goes on, some outside influences pushing it back down again? Yeah, I, I think the corn's going to hold its upper range. Beans have a little ways to go to sort of get this, let's call it, turnaround that they had in focus earlier today to, to maybe spell that we're at the bottom end of their range and get some movement. The bean market really needs an influx of good export activity and there's a lot of talk of that this morning now that china is back from holiday um but not no confirmations of it and those numbers lag too and and you got to think of it from an importing country's perspective with a dollar high uh, now mexico's not mexico's currency is high too so keep in mind they're they're moving right along they're our largest import of agricultural product but um when you think about the rest of the world and sort of the economic malaise, the war drags on, actually escalating, and then tensions with China and the U.S. and tensions with China and Taiwan and Taiwan and China and China and the U.S. Oh, I said that already. <laughs> but you get my point. It's just it's daily that there's this kind of anything but usual uh, business or business as usual. In, in addition to COVID lockdowns here this year continuously and those type of issues ultimately though what's happened is the world has gotten tight on inventory it needs good weather and buyers probably buy a little bit more selectively and as needed but the world has to come through with big production in the next year otherwise we're going to be staying in these upper elevated ranges and that's there's no sign that we're not going to stay elevated at this point you talk about those export numbers. Obviously, today with the government being closed, we'll see a delay in, in that information. Will that maybe add a little bit more excitement to the Tuesday trade? 
Well, it certainly could. When you when you miss information for a day, we'll have more information tomorrow, and then we'll have more information on Wednesday in the form of a WASD supply and demand report. So there's going to be a lot of information this week. I think the, the overarching theme, though, there's probably four things right now. One, harvest pressure. Everybody's running wide open. The 6 to 10-day forecast looks really good for you know the whole the whole united states will be below normal precipitation other than ironically arizona and looks like new mexico so maybe some moisture down that way but my point is it's going to continue to allow harvest to move along so you got harvest theme you got a theme of a high u.s dollar it corrected downward here last week early and now it's been correcting back upward so that in and of itself is sort of a wet rig over the market so you got a theme of a high dollar the energy complex rebounded quite sharply last week um, and, and picked up about $10. So support on the energy side of the, the equation. And then you've got the war theme and what that means for potential flow of grain and production of grain. And I'll tell you, that's that's probably of, of the four, the one that's most front and center to start this week as it really – you know, it just looks to me like there's, I just don't see any way that they're going to extend this agreement on November 22nd to allow more shipping. Um, it's kind of a rough situation over there. Well, and those attacks just continue in the Black Sea region over the weekend um, with the, the bridge explosion. And that just kind of, I think, has added some heightened worrisome to this trade. Oh, for sure. And it doesn't take long for it to reflect it when you look at, you know, blowing up a bridge that's a, a main artery to Crimea, uh, Crimea. And then you talk about shelling during rush hour into uh, key Ukrainian cities. It is a tough, tough place to be right now in that part of the world. Um, and so we'll, you know, we just got to see how it unfolds. But um, that from crop production or business as usual or exports as usual, all arrows are pointing in the wrong direction. And the market's reflecting that. I continue to come back to the wheat, too, that just the drier conditions stay generally dry. When you look at the drought monitor map, Susan, it continues to migrate more and more eastward, more challenges for producers. Um, that has to reverse itself. Now, could but there's no sign it's doing that yet. The, the drier areas are getting drier. Well, definitely. And we were talking about that drought matter. I have not seen it that orange and brown. I mean, even 2012, it seems like we're a little bit drier than we were then. Well, the map is for right. sure for this time of year. Um, you know, if, the, if we if we push this back, you know, six or eight weeks, I, I think it would be more devastating. There were some timely, timely rains. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. The second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell, just around the corner right here on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other... RBM. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing the conversation this afternoon with Brian Doherty. Brian is with Total Farm Marketing, and let's talk a little bit about the fact that um, we do have that continued harvest pressure. We talked about that somewhat in the in the front half. We're seeing the different numbers, especially when we look at the east versus the west, but then smack dab in the middle of all this, Brian, is the Mississippi River and barge issues. Over the weekend, I saw a lot more pictures popping up on social media of barges being back up or almost being bottomed out it's pretty pretty dire and it's pretty ugly and the problem with water flow is is we don't know if this problem will cure itself in a week or if it's going to be six months or a year or or longer who knows right uh last year if you might remember the hurricane uh in the port region really slowed um traffic and barges because of damage uh, but there was sort of a horizon on there. It was thought, well, two weeks to six weeks kind of get the end. It took about a big, let's say a big month. There's no horizon on this. So we're seeing internal basis levels really cave in. Um, so what's a farmer to do, right? You're, you're, you know, you're looking at the board price at hovering near $7, give or take. And what do you do? Well, probably hedge to arrive if you're not going to deliver anytime soon. But you're kind of caught over a barrel if you've got to sell sooner than later. Um, and I don't know if anybody's really in that, that boat or not where they have to. But that's the dilemma. So we talked about themes before. The the theme I didn't mention was this continuous concern about basis levels because of the river. Not necessarily because of demand or ethanol. Uh, let's say less usage in ethanol. But just the river. Now, the, the good news it potentially is that. Uh, exports have slowed significantly the last couple of months, in particular the last month. So it's not like there's all of these sales on the books that now have no home to go to. So the good news is, is that, that, um, you know, some of this grain that might normally be flowing down the river may not be now. And hopefully there's time to get this reversed, um, before, uh, before too long. I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. How much pressure does that put on on the western corn belt? I mean, obviously we've got the Missouri River in between there as well, but do we see it affecting our producers more east or or western corn more, belt? More more central and more east, not so much more west because of the tight supply of corn to begin with last year's tighter inventory and then a little bit more potential maybe for rail. Um and so we're not seeing it as affect what I'm going to call the western fourth or western third of the corn belt as much as you are that center vein. There's only so far to go with it if you're not loading out, and that's the problem. So, again, what to do with it, um, if you like the futures price, then you probably want to lock in a hedge to arrive, especially if you've got good-looking crop out there that you're going to harvest, and then look for the basis to improve after harvest. Um, but it's a tough situation. There aren't any easy answers. Any thoughts on the WASDE report that comes out on Wednesday? Well, typically, you know, as the WASDE report angles toward a number, um, the USDA has a history of, of, of sort of their trending. Uh, so the, the trending as in, you know, big crops get bigger, small crops get smaller. Um, tough to say because they've already taken yield off. Last month, they took a bushel an acre off more than what the market was expecting for soybeans. Corn dropped to 172.5 from 175.5, so three bushels there. Um, my personal thinking is that 
that there's going to be so much variability to the crop, but I still lean toward, you know, the heart of the Corn Belt probably doing a little better than people might think. But I got to tell you, Susan, I'm still angling toward that 170 area. I think the digital D10 tour, I think the Pro Farmer tour, and feedback from farmers in conjunction with that poor to very poor category on the weekly crop progress still pointing downward in corn. Soybeans always a wild card until farmers get in it. The yield numbers I've heard, though, some are so good and some are not so good and they're so variable. I don't know. My best guess is they leave that number unchanged right now on the yield. Well, quickly, no surprise that the feeders took a drop with the way corn was trading today. Strong inverse relation, right? All of a sudden, corn takes off. Feeders uh, not getting any help from the live market. There's just no reason for the traders to want to buy into the feeders when corn's up and the live market's down. Big picture live, you know, you kind of stay friendly. I think I think if you look at the idea that the cattle been pulled ahead, pastoral conditions, the herd's contracting uh, some, that, you know, there's plenty of room that the market can move higher. Good. Lots of things that we talked about today. Brian, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? A quick phone call, uh, 800 three three four nine seven seven nine um that's probably the uh you know best way to just have a quick conversation or throw your questions or concerns but if you'd like to e email you can do that uh it's brian uh with a y brian at totalfarmmarketing.com so shoot me any questions concerns whatever you have there or they can look at our website uh, totalfarmmarketing.com we have lots of resources there and ways to connect with us Wonderful. Well, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.